Welcome to Cross-Border Tax Talks, where we discuss the latest trends in international taxation, from U.S. tax reform to society's biggest challenges. I'm Doug McConey, PwC's U.S. International Tax Services Leader. You can find me on Twitter at Exporter Tax. On this week's episode of Cross-Border Tax Talks, I'm honored to be joined by Stephen Moshe. Stephen is a Black international tax partner based in Boston. This past year, Stephen took on the role as the overall tax leader for our Boston tax practice. Stephen, welcome to the 50th episode of Cross-Border Tax Talks. Thank you, Doug. Thanks for having me. So Stephen, before we dive in to a non-cross-border tax topic of race, I wanted to get your reflections on your new role as the tax leader in Boston. You've been in our international tax practice for 25 years, focusing on your clients and your team before you agreed to take on a broader leadership role. This is a crazy time in the U.S. and to be a, a business leader, how is that experience going and uh, how have you enjoyed your, your new role as the Boston tax leader? Well, it, it's been it's been a roller coaster of uh, of a journey, right? Uh, I didn't get the memo that uh, I was going to be leading uh, this practice in the middle of a pandemic, a recession, as well as obviously all the civil uh, and racial unrest that we see uh, in our country. But putting all that aside, it's actually been pretty rewarding. Uh, it's been a learning experience. Um, I've had the benefit of a lot of my partners rallying together uh, to, uh, you know, do what is right, both for our people. So while it has been a challenging time, Doug, you know, uh, it, it's it's been a very humbling experience. Well, I, I, I understand that. I'm two years, as you know, into my international tax role, and, and I that's very well said. I, I feel very similar. And, you know, I feel like you know, we're kind of making stuff up as we go, right? And having to react and, and really learn and, and listen. So let's dive into the, the topic at hand. And let me also let the listeners know that you and I have worked together for, I think, over 20 years at this point. I mean, almost my, my entire career. Our paths first Long crossed- time about that long ago um, when the partner who I was working for in St. Louis, who's actually been on this podcast in the past, was teaming with the partner that you work for in Boston, which I now believe is, is one of our clients. In, in those 20 years of knowing you, I'm gonna be honest with, the, with our listeners, I've never asked you about your race. I've never asked you what it was like to be a black professional in a predominantly white industry. So I, I first wanna say thank you for agreeing to be on this podcast to talk about these very difficult issues. Um, and, and I also want to say I'm sorry and, and I'm regretful that, that this is the first time that we've, we've talked about it. But I want to let you know over the course of the next discussion that if I say anything insensitive, please call me on it. If you don't feel comfortable discussing something, just, just please tell me. So since the George Floyd murder, which is, is the first person in my life that I've seen murdered with my own eyes. And I've watched all eight minutes and 40 seconds of that video, and it is haunting. There has been lots of discussion in the workplace on race. What's that been like? And, and how do you feel about white people approaching you on, on, this, on this topic? It's been a tough time, right? And, and you know, let's start from the beginning. If you watch that video, 
One of the things you notice is a white officer's knee on George's neck, right? And you also notice the fact that he has his hands in his pocket, right? Now, you and I know, Doug, typically when you have your hands in your pocket, it suggests uh, sort of a, an easy um, situation, environment, right? It, the, but, but it also portrays, at least to me when I look at it, the, 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 the sort of the lack of empathy, the, the casualness with which someone's life was being taken, right? And I think that's what gets a lot of folks. And to be honest, probably that was probably something that got a lot of, you know, the white folks, right? And so I, I didn't realize this was the first death you've watched, but obviously it, it made an impact, right? So at the same time, you know, I went through all these emotions, but at the, I, I, I feel like there is some optimism in the air, right? And it's largely due to the fact that if you watch the demonstrations, the conversations I've had within the firm and outside of the firm are more with non-whites than whites, which is new to me, right? And some folks have felt that they shouldn't reach out because it would be a burden, right? And I, I say to them, it is a very small burden to bear if that is what's going to get the conversation going and the change happening. I'm happy to listen and share my point of view, right? And facilitate any conversations if that's going to move the ball in the right direction. Yeah, I, I think one of the challenges, and this was certainly, you know, I, I, gave a lot of thought and hesitation before I reached out to you to see if you would want to be on this podcast, for example. But at least the way I've tried to approach it is, you know, this is a conversation as we started that I, I, I should have had with you, you know, in, in, in the past, you know, these are important differences um, that we all, that we all have to have to live with. Do, do you have, um, any any advice or is as far as if a white person wants to it to approach you i i feel like at least i feel significantly more empowered to talk to both my white colleagues as well as my black colleagues uh, about this issue but it, it's more challenging i think for a white person I'll, I'll let me speak on behalf of myself it's more challenging for me to go and speak to to somebody who is black because i, I just fundamentally obviously and i think i've learned don't understand that experience and so is there anything that that we should keep in mind as a white person one of our white colleagues is going to talk to to one of our black colleagues or is it as simple as just being empathetic what 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 are your views on that and that's the key word you know i think um and it's very difficult obviously just as you said you don't want to speak for all the white folks. I do not want to pretend that uh, I can speak for all the black folks, but I would think that most of us are looking for empathy versus sympathy, you know? And I would also say, don't overthink it. Don't overthink what you're going to say. Just reach out and start the conversation. But also do not pretend that you understand what we're going through. 
or what this particular individual in front of you is going through right don't don't pretend ask questions you know it, it is it is rarely that you will commit a mistake by asking a question right so those would be the two simple things don't overthink it reach out right and don't assume you know what the individual in front of you is going through so i was you know, I, I, as you know, Stephen, I'm spend quite a bit of time on on our social media, on the social media platforms. Um, I, I do try to to limit some of that because it can just be so overwhelming. And you know, with the confluence of, as you mentioned, the the economic issues, the pandemic, and now with these racial issues, there's just frankly only so much time that that you can take. And it just you know, trying to manage stress as as you're reading through Twitter, for example, but. There was a particular tweet that really resonated with me. I'm not going to mention the individual's name, but it was a public university, well-respected public university tax professor on Twitter. And he said, and I quote, tax law is the whitest of white professions. And I am embarrassed it did not occur to me how bad it is until today, close quote. Um, if you followed that 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 thread along, he had said that based on an in, informal survey he did, and so there's you know hashtag tax Twitter, a lot of of, of uh, frankly not as many advisors, a lot of um, pro professors on there. He said that based on an informal survey he did, he compiled a list of six black law partners. Six, I think they excluded the big four, um, and I'm not sure what our total numbers are um, for the big four, but six law firm partners in the U.S. were black. Do you have any thoughts on why the profession is is so white? And I'd like to spend a few minutes talking about what what can we do about it? And certainly something that I've been thinking about a lot of what I can I do for our international tax. But you know, as I mentioned, you're you're one of our 150 partners, roughly, and in, in international, and and the only black professional. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I mean, it's it's that's a tough one right because you know in order to be successful at tax you know you've got to have a passion for what we do right and that's a passion that i believe begins at a much younger age uh than today right so the question becomes what can we do to the folks that are coming out of high school colleges right what support and encouragement can we give our college students about the profession, right? And then it comes to recruiting. Are we all doing the right thing in terms of recruiting the right number of black folks into the profession, right? And then after that, right, are we doing the right things to retain that talent once they're within our organization, right? So Doug, I think if my memory serves me, you have probably sponsored five to six partners, give or take, right? And that I believe has been hard work, right? You, you, you've, you've sort of put your heart and soul and you know, you've called them out when they've done something wrong. You've given them the accolades when they've done something right, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Now, the question is how many people, right? Have reached out to a black staff and taken them out, taken them underneath their, their wings and advocated for them? right? As opposed to perhaps being just one of those folks that checks the box on diversity. Are, are, we, are you as an individual doing the right things? 
and 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 to me a lot of this is not about it definitely has a level of organizational change but it's also an individual change right in the conversations i've had with people who've reached out to me one of the the recurring themes is this problem is too big for me i have no idea how my little contribution would help and i've always pushed back and said it's amazing how much power as an individual we have if we opt in and decide to make that change. Think about the interactions, the daily interactions you have, either with your clients, your family, your friends, et cetera, et cetera. If you are intentional about making this an issue to talk about, move the ball on, right? That is significant. Those small little individual acts do add up. Yeah, that really, you know, resonates with me, Stephen. And I'm, I'm going to, I'll share my, my story about our Cincinnati practice. And I think you probably, you remember um, that before I made partner, I was relocated to our Cincinnati office. And, you know, one of the things that I'm the, the, the most proud of, of, of my career is, is taking that, that group from a group of four. And in the five years, we ended up with a, a group of 19 professionals in international tax in, in Cincinnati. And this, this year, um, on well, July 1st, um, we'll admit what will be the sixth partner from, from that group of 19 international tax professionals as a partner at, at PwC. None of those are, are, are black. Um, just to be in, in full disclosure, but you're you're a hundred percent right that I have taken a very active role in these people's careers. Now, technically speaking, I, I I was not all of their sponsors, but you're absolutely right, Stephen. Like I, I I'm very involved in all of those people's careers, and both from a technical perspective, from a client, both from a from a personal perspective. Um, you know, I've really just, I've taken an interest in them. Even though I moved to Chicago and even though I moved to, to DC, I've made sure that I'm still very, very involved with, with those individuals' careers. And um, listen, all of these are very obviously capable professionals um, and that I'm not going to take too much credit in their admission to the partnership. They've all worked very hard, but I would like to think that my involvement in their careers has, has helped somewhat. And one of the things that I've really been reflecting on is why haven't I been as proactive with with our black professionals as I have with this this group um, from Cincinnati? And I think the answer is is well, I connected to those people, and you know, I, I really view them, Stephen, as like my family. You know, and I talk to them like that. I use, frankly, even that language when I talk about my my Cincinnati fam. You know, and and those partners and um. And, and I think, you know, I could do a better job individually making sure that I've, I connect to our, our black professionals. And it's something that I'll, I'll commit to you. I'll, I'll commit on this podcast that I'm going to be significantly more focused on. And because that's really, and my, really what it takes is, is getting that like right when they come in the door, or frankly, even to your point, before they come in the door, how do we recruit and get people excited about what we do? Because, you know, tax doesn't sound that sexy or exciting, right? But frankly, if you're listening to this podcast, you probably already have some sort of interest in tax. But 
how do we create that that interest i think is is really important and so can you share a little bit about like just how did you get involved in tax how how did this start with you i mean for me i i did well in my law school class in tax and then the summer after my first year i i did a uh you know i Frankly, my dad, rest in peace, is still irritated that I took out student loans and went to Europe for for the summer. But I was like, oh, I like I did well in tax, and I went to Europe. I was like, oh, maybe I'll do international tax, which probably isn't the most scientific or best way to decide on a career long profession. But obviously, I enjoyed it, and I'm still here 20 years later. How did you get interested, and sort of what brought you into to the field? And have you seen other um, of our African American colleagues have similar interests, or 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 you know how how did you get that interest initially? So I started off with I loved economics, right? I I, I thought you know sort of just you know if I could figure out why something was priced the way it was priced, you know that just seemed to solve a little puzzle for me, right? Um, and then at some point I was. I signed up for a class called Revenue Law and Taxation. And that just sparked something in me about um, how tax is determined, how tax is analyzed. It was a bit of a you know crossword puzzle, right? And I think it was a short class, you know, it, it was I and mean, to be honest, it wasn't all taxation. It was more around how to raise revenue. Right, it was more probably more around tax policy than anything else, and the intersection between tax policy and economics. But I then started thinking more and more about um, uh, doing tax, and then obviously I, I, I ended up uh, major, you know, concentrating in, in in tax law, and then eventually focused on international tax uh, because I, I felt that was really cool, just understanding different systems um, and how they interact and trying to take one um, thing that works in one country and figuring out if it would work in another country and why doesn't it, right? Um, so that was sort of helpful. But, it, you know, it, it was not, it's not that I had or knew anybody who was doing taxes. It's just really, for me, an intersection of economics and then law and then doing this class that sort of sparked my interest. And wh what is your undergraduate in? And then did you, I, I should know this, I, I actually, I don't. Did you go to law school and wh what did you do your undergraduate? And then did you go to, did you do graduate school? Yeah, so I, I, I started my, obviously, as, as folks can tell from my accent, right? Uh, I, 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 not of, uh, American descent as such. But so I did economics and then did law school, like undergrad or, or, or first sort of law degree. And then I did a master's, um, which was all focused on tax. Um, and then after that, I you know decided I was gonna do a focus or concentration in international tax. So I think one of the things that it will be important for us as as business leaders is, to your point, is identifying people early, you know, in the process to to get them excited about international tax. Of course, I'm partial to international tax. I feel like it's a little bit more exciting. To it's easier to get people excited about international tax than than maybe some other areas. But I won't be critical of of some of the other areas of international tax. And then I I've think once we have. 
Go ahead. I've had an interesting conversation about international. T- I was having a debate with someone who is a state and local tax partner, and they were trying to convince me that state and local tax was a lot more interesting than international tax. Now, I know I can see the similarities because they're different states and therefore different countries. There's a comparison, but it's just incomparable. Not to pick on my Sultan um, local tax partners, but yes, totally different. I'm sure I'm going to get a lot of grief for that. But. You, I'm sure you will too. And then somebody is going to also mention the, you know, BEPS 2.0 and where we're heading from a formulary apportionment perspective and that salt is really just ahead of its time. But maybe we can have exactly. you back on the podcast and we can have a debate on tax policy as well, which is where, really where we usually are, are safe space in, in the cross-border tax talks podcast. But to going back to, to the topic of once we have these professionals interested um, and, and having our black professionals, particularly early in their career, I think it's important that business leaders like myself take a more active role, and I'm going to commit to that. One of the concerns that I have is, is overwhelming our black staff at this point, because I, I mean, there are so many white people that want to make, make a change and want to make a difference. And I, Stephen, and I don't know about you, have been overwhelmed with the amount of correspondence, direct messages on social media, emails, um, pings on, on, on chat function about people that want to help and, and make a difference. This just feels different. And as, as you probably remember, you know, I'm from St. Louis and um, you know, the, the Black Lives Matter and, and the whole, and the Michael Brown incident. I mean, that was just blocks from my house, some of the riots, um, you know, where I live relatively close to, 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 to Ferguson and the University of Missouri, which is my alma mater, was really, really impacted by some of those protests and, you know, some, some bad behavior, frankly, um, from, from one of the professors going back several years ago. And we've spent a lot of time as an organization trying to, you know, re- remediate some of those those issues, but you know, as this this moment feels different, and and I want to make a change, and I know a lot of people want to be able to facilitate change, but a concern that I have is overwhelming our our black staff with 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 trying to do too many things. H- how do you what what advice do you have for 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 those of us that are trying to make a difference, and how do we balance trying to be you know overwhelm our our black professionals? I think I would say, you know, to to someone like you, Doug, right, given the role, the position you're in, right, you can make a significant difference, right? Because you set the strategy um, within the ITS practice, right? So you have um, a pretty strong podium in which to make change, right? So that is sort of at a macro level, right? At a micro level, what you could do, Doug, is pick one, two, three individuals, right? Uh, at whatever level you, you you think is appropriate, right? And invest in that relationship, right? The 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 results are going to be uh, long drawn, right? It's not it's not there's there's no quick hit in this, right? Because you're starting a, a new relationship, probably with somebody you've never spoken to, right? So for them to sort of appreciate the feedback, open up, talk to you about their challenges and struggles, right? Listen to them intently about how you can help them, right? And I I honestly think that you will also be rewarded because you will learn a lot, right? 
through this journey. But it's a it's a it's a long term process, and it's not it's not going to happen overnight, right? But you know, so so that's what I would, I would think at a, at a micro level. Choose one or two or three folks, right? And and invest in that relationship. And 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 it's going to take a while for folks to open up. It's like any other relationship, right? You know, we talk about going out and starting uh, relationships with our clients, right? That doesn't happen overnight, right? It takes it takes time. It takes effort and patience, right? And and you're absolutely exactly. right. I mean, it is it has taken us four hundred years to be in this end up in this situation. We are not going to to, to fix it overnight. I, I love the suggestion, Stephen, of of identifying you know specific individuals that I like, similar to my my crew in Cincinnati that I can take a um, a much deeper role in in their success, and and that's certainly something that 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 I'm I'm committed to doing. I've also been been looking at you know what are some of the underlying policies that we have as far as how we staff individuals and how we manage um, billable hours and utilization. And really, I think one of the other things as business leaders is just making sure that we've got policies that ensure everybody's success. And listen, this is something that we've been very focused on with PwC, with Tim Ryan's um, action on diversity. And um you know, but but I, I think that all business leaders from everything that I'm reading and seeing are really looking at at those policies to see what we can do proactively. And I think that, you know, we're we're going to continue to do that. What would be your suggestion for like let's say one of our senior associates or or a new associate at a law firm somebody you know one of our younger white professionals or newer white professionals to the to the profession they may not necessarily be younger but but how can somebody that isn't in like your eye role where you know we're 20 plus years in our career we have leadership where we certainly have a, a bigger responsibility and I in my view a bigger obligation to try to to fix some of these things but what about somebody who's just, you know, really starting in their career? What what can can one of those white individuals do to potentially help? I think it's the same advice, Doug. Right. So so if you think about it, right, if you're a senior or you're a second, third year law associate, right, you have a network, right? You've created a network, right? Or somebody helped you get into their network, right? And through that network, you've, you you get to know what other people are working on, you know what their challenges are, you know, et cetera, et cetera. Right now, if you take a first year associate, right, and and you begin that dialogue about what are they assigned to, what are they deployed to, what are they working on, right, you very easily learn how you can help them using your network, using your capital, right. Because obviously, if if you're a second year or a third year, you sort of created this network and goodwill, right? And as long as you create that relationship, right, you'll be advocating for this individual and helping them build their network. Because going back to your earlier point, a lot of companies, not all, but a lot of companies have some reasonable policies, right? What happens though, is that those policies have not the right execution strategy around them, right? So when you ask a company, what's, what's the policy around this, right? And you read the document, it's a great reading document, but it falls down when it comes to execution. 
And if you think about execution, right, you and I at this level, right, aren't doing and, you know, working day to day with some of our black staff, right? So by the time things bubble up to us, right, if they do bubble up to us, it might be too late, right? The person's ready to leave, right? So, so empowering those second year, third year white staff, right, to be advocates as well is critically important. It's interesting as you say that, Stephen, because that is generally the same advice that we would give you know, anybody, like any senior associate where we would say, hey, this is what you need to do to, to be a successful associate, right? In other words, this isn't you know, some secret recipe, right? But I think it's just, it's really important for our white professionals, including myself, just to be more mindful of, of enabling everybody's success. And you had mentioned that you know it's one thing to have a policy and then the other thing to actually execute on the policy. I mean, that's the same advice that we give as, as tax advisors, as tax lawyers, right? We spent all this time coming up with a good deal strategy or a new business model or anything. And you can put in the bullets exactly what everybody needs to do. We can be amazingly mindful about what policy we're putting together. But if the actions don't support that policy, then the tax strategy falls down. Similar to this, it's just like what you, if you're going to have a, a strategy or action items, we actually need, need to follow that. And we need to be, it's not just following it, be very disciplined to make sure that we're executing exactly as, as we had anticipated. Because that's, that's, it's, it's important in tax, and I think it's, it's also going to be very important in how we make sure that we try to enable as much success with our, with our Black professionals. So that, that, that really, really resonated with me. Yeah. And I think, Doug, if I may just go back to something you said, right? It's no different. The advice I was, I was, I was uh, suggesting is no is no different than what you tell, you know, a, a first year associate. That's exactly right. Except in this case, I think there's an affinity, right, of of sorts, right. So folks will tend to be affiliated with people they feel more comfortable with, right? And here you're asking some of our white colleagues, right, to get outside of their comfort zone. They've got to be more intentional, right, about it. Um, and it takes time, right? So there's probably a little bit more investment of time and effort. Because again, there's the affinity circle that you're starting from is very, very different, right? So it, 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 it's, it's a lot of work, right? And, that, and I guess that's the point I'm trying to make, that that's what distinguishes trying to help and advocate for someone who looks like you, went to the same school as you, uh, same background, et cetera, et cetera, versus somebody who's directly opposite in all sorts of different ways. Great, great, great points. All right, so I'm gonna a couple of a few kind of quick quick hit questions for you, but but before we wrap, um, and again, I, I'm embarrassed that I haven't asked you this in in the past, but and and if you want to share the stories or if you don't feel comfortable, please tell me. But my first question or the first question of these quick hits, have you experienced racism outside outside of work? Yes. 
have you yeah. experienced race? Yeah. Well, you can elaborate if you like. I'm gonna. They're gonna get harder. Um, I'm, okay. Have you experienced? Have you experienced racism inside of work as part of your your daily job over the course of your 25 year career? Yes. Would you care to share a story of either racism that you faced inside or outside of work? Um, all right, I've been pulled over uh, for no apparent reason. Um, uh, thankfully, you know, I had all the paperwork and, you know, um, that was it. It wasn't, it didn't escalate into anything. So thank, thankfully, um, within work, uh, yeah, uh, various episodes. Uh, one that I think, uh, you know, was, was stayed with me was, um, I was mistaken for a, a mailman, you know, yeah. back in the days, you remember you, you, the, the folks, you know, the mail, the mail staff would come around and either pick up mail or deliver mail. Yeah. First of all, you're dating yourself, but I did say that I had uh, you, you had 25 years of experience. But but so you were going around the office, and somebody assumed that you were part of the mail staff and not part of our professional staff. Correct. So my the last the the third of those questions was going to be: Had you had any experience with with the police? And and you already you already answered that question. One of the things that I have been deeply moved by since a lot of this has started was some of the experience that our black professionals have shared having to tell their sons, their black sons about how to deal with the, the police. Um, did somebody warn you when, when you came to, to, to the U S about like, Hey, you need to, to be more careful with, with, with the police. And, and did you have some, sort of a heads up before you got pulled over when, when you came to, to, to the country on, on how to manage that. And that wasn't, was an issue because of the color of your skin. Yeah, no, definitely. Definitely. Um, uh, I, I was told, you know, make sure your hands remain on the steering wheel, um, uh, throughout. And if you're going to reach for sort of any identification or, uh, paperwork registration, et cetera, et cetera, make sure you indicate that to the officer before you actually move your hands off the steering wheel. Uh, yeah, I mean, that that was taught to me um, multiple times before it happened, and that's exactly what I did. I mean, that's, I, I think, remember. Every, every, every black male is told that. Right, I, I don't remember my dad having that conversation with me. Right. And, uh, man, that, that, that really gets me. It, it, it's really, uh, uh, upsetting that like that, that that's just part of growing up black and, and part of that, that process that, that, that you have to learn. And I'm just really, really sorry for that. Um, maybe my, my, my last question is what advice do you have for our, our black professionals and, and not just within PwC, but black professionals in, in tax um, and maybe somebody who's interested or, or is just starting their career. 
Um, what, what advice would you give in, 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 in this environment to, to somebody who is black and who wants to be an, an international tax professional and is very early, early stage of their career? What, what, what could he or she be doing and what advice do you have for them? I would start off with the fact that it's a very rewarding, uh, extremely rewarding career, right? Um, yes, there are going to be some valleys, there are going to be some bad days. Um, and, you know, you may question why you selected the profession or maybe even the company you're working with. But I think overall, right, like everything else, there are ups and downs. I think when you step back and, you know, I step back and I look back at my career, um, I'm pleased uh, immensely and fortunate uh, in all sorts of ways. But has it been sort of a, a smooth, continuous upward uh, climb? No, there'd be in a few valleys and, you know, you work through that, but unfortunately that's life, right? Our profession does need patience right if you want to be successful at it you it, it definitely demands patience but once you get through that um it is extremely rewarding extremely rewarding that's, that's great it's great advice Stephen. so um maybe in conclusion then um as a as both a business leader and and, and a human being I realized that acting not racist isn't enough, that I need to be more proactively anti-racist to help the 400 years of injustice. And it's something that I'm committed to, to, to do and, and to be more thoughtful. And so I want to say thank you just immensely, Stephen, for agreeing to come on the Cross-Border Tax Talks and, and talk about that and helping educate me. And I hope that we can continue to talk about this. Again, I'm deeply regretful that after 20 years knowing you, this is the first time that we've had this conversation, but I welcome the opportunity to get more feedback about what I can do as, as a business leader, as one of your fellow partners, and, and, and as a human being to, to really help help change things. And I think that at least from the people that I have spoken to within our firm and the other people that I've interacted with and other people within the profession, that there is an overwhelming desire to be able to, to, to effectuate change and, and do something different this time. And, and so let me just really thank you personally for coming on and, and sharing your experience. Thank you, Stephen. Thank you, Doug. Thanks for having me. And I think my last parting words as to what you just said would be, um, you do not want to be a bystander. So do get involved. We all need allies. And, you know, I think at this point in time, definitely need white allies. So thank you. Well, thank you, Stephen. And I hope you consider me one of those. I will certainly work towards that. So thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of Cross-Border Tax Talks. Thank you, Stephen Moshe, international tax partner and leader of PwC's Boston Tax Practice. I'm Doug McConey, PwC's international tax services leader in the US. Stay tuned in two weeks for another exciting edition of Cross-Border Tax Talks.